Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. Hey everyone, welcome to A Good Football Show. I am Matt Straup. It is Tuesday, April 12th, and today we're going to be bringing you some of our favorite players to target in fantasy drafts as of April 2022 as we count down the days with just over two weeks to go until the NFL draft. To break this down, I'm joined by Kyle Dvorak and Danny Carter. Guys, before we get started, I just wanted to kind of get oriented in terms of where we are in the fantasy offseason. Now, for anyone who Let's say we got someone who follows the NFL, thinks about fantasy year round, but doesn't necessarily do a lot of drafting in, let's say, April. Where are we in the year round draft calendar? Help me get calibrated. Are you guys doing a lot of drafts already? Uh, where are we? Where am I? What year is it? Uh, I'm confused. Someone help me. <laughs> I uh, I guess I, I'll offer this. I, uh, I haven't done much drafting at all um, because I am enamored with, Matt, this is for you, yes. NBA. I I can't, I can't, I suddenly, suddenly can't get enough. Uh, Of course, of course, I'm keeping tabs on, on, you know, fluctuating ADPs and whatnot. But uh, as far as drafting goes, not, not much on my end. Doing a little bit of drafting. Now is a pretty good time, especially for like rookie values. Even like, like I I think underdog probably has the generally the sharpest drafters, other best Mm -hmm. ball platforms. I feel like are a little more beatable, but even the ADPs on underdog and right now that, you know, they don't have like their biggest tournaments up yet, but even in just like, especially this is probably where the biggest edges are, frankly, in like the standard 12 man leagues, no tournament, just Mm -hmm. 12 man. You make nine extra money or whatever for, for winning your league. The rookie ADPs are just still bad every single year. We do this where like have to wait to find out where we get drafted. Like, well, we can tell by a certain player's profile, like what type of workload they'll see. It could come with, uh, you know, come with the Jaguars or it could come with the chiefs. Obviously that will change things, but I still think that is uh, such an edge that we have yet to iron out year in, year out. And that's a little foreshadowing for one of your guys, Kyle, but before we get, before we get into it, Denny, what are we doing? Are we doing uh, NBA DFS? Is that what's, is that what's going on here? Yeah, man. Uh, qualifiers, tournaments, whatever. Like I'm, I, I'm in, uh, and I, I want to tell you, and I want to tell the listeners, watch out for my Clippers. Okay. All right. My, my, my Clippers, my Clippers have a head of steam coming in here. They're gonna, they're gonna mow down the Wolves. No chance. No chance for the Timberwolves. Clippers going in into this thing. They're all go, going all the way to the finals. I, that's that's my analysis for uh, the Western Conference. You came here for football knowledge, but you came away with a little basketball <laughs> knowledge. It's a beautiful thing. Um, all right, Denny, oh, yeah. along these lines, so we've each picked three players. These are guys that we are drafting in, in actuality or hypothetically right now aggressively. 
uh, in our April drafts. So we've each got three. We're going to go around the room here. Denny, uh, lead things off for us. Uh, player number one for you is? Is Alan G. Robinson the fourth? I don't actually know if that's his full name, but uh, Alan Robinson uh, signed, of course, by the LA Rams after uh, a, a not so great stint in Chicago. Who could have seen that coming, by the way? Um, you know, a, a, a bad Bears receiver signing. Um, I'm so here's the thing about Robinson, and and, and <laughs> rightfully so, people uh, have a bad taste in their mouths, right? After you know, there, there were a fair amount of people, including myself, who thought, okay, just volume, target volume wise, he has to be the guy in, in Chicago. Turns out he wasn't. And, but there were many mitigating factors, one of which uh, Alan Robinson got COVID in midseason, around midseason, uh, missed a game or two, came back. He, he said later that it was several weeks before he could get up to game strength, to, to, his, to his former strength, lost a lot of weight. Uh, and that, that, that has played a huge factor. There's also the coaching in Chicago, a little bit. not the best. I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've heard Matt Nagy is not the best play caller. They seemed very uninterested in, in involving Allen Robinson yeah. in the passing game. So I, I'm, I'm willing to kind of, uh, turn a blind eye toward that and say, you know, he's in a way better offense now. Um, and, and here's the thing about the Stafford, uh, based the Stafford centric Rams offense, it's way different, obviously, than the Jared Goff Rams offense, where Robert Woods really was ideal for the Jared Cook offense. He he did the end arounds, he did all the blocking, he did all the little gutty stuff that you need into to uh, the gadgety stuff that you need to make Jared Goff work as a starter in the NFL. You don't need that with Stafford. Stafford's a, a legit quarterback even no matter what the haters say, who who can feed his main weapons. And with OBJ likely not coming back to L.A., Robinson takes on that role. Yeah, that's one thing that I thought was really interesting. Was like, it, it seemed like almost a lock that Odell Beckham, I don't know if would take a discount, but would see himself best fit as just returning to the Rams. Things working out quite well there. Now it seems like, I don't know if I'd say there's a real market for it, but at least it looks like teams are sort of all in the running as opposed to just penciling him in to return to the Rams. And that could really open up. I, I was thinking, you know, oh, Alan Robinson, he returns. Originally, I don't think they had uh, traded Robert Woods yet. So I was like, oh, you know, maybe a 2-3. And they trade Robert Woods. I'm like, well, they're just bringing Odell Beckham back. The more and more we go on, the longer we wait, the less likely yeah. it looks that Odell Beckham comes back. If he were coming back, for sure at least, probably would have happened almost at the start of free agency or maybe just after some further medical testing, something like that. That's not the case. So we really have a decent shot at Alan Robinson stepping into a ton of targets under all the awesome conditions you just described. Yeah, and also, uh, you know, OBJ from week 12 to 18 last year had a 20% target share and a 28% air yard share. That air yard share was just slightly behind Cooper Cup uh, for, for the team lead. So there's a lot, a, a lot there for Robinson to absorb. Uh, you know, I think just by default, he, he should be a value at wide receiver 34 coming off the draft board right now. He's still 28 years old, got 30 million guaranteed from the Rams. And like, if nothing else, I mean, even if his ADP starts to go up, those numbers from last year are going to keep it down, I think, in a lot of leagues. Uh, 38 catches, 410 yards, and one touchdown after 102 catches, 1,250 yards, and six touchdowns the year before. So uh, do we have an ADP on Allen Robinson in front of us? Like, where are we ballpark right now, Denny? Uh, end of the seventh round uh, in 12-team leagues, uh, wide receiver 34, which is just, if you look at some of the guys going 
ahead of Robinson. I, I'm, I don't know. I don't know. My guys like, uh, uh, well, Darnell Mooney's going before him. I don't know. I don't know if I'm doing that. Um, Brandon Ayuk is going before him. Suspicious. Nah, <laughs> no way, no way. I, if I, I, I'm never going Ayuk over uh, over Robinson. Hard stop. Never going Ayuk. No, I'm just kidding. But I am taking a year off. Year off on Ayuk. I think just a little Brandon Ayuk sabbatical. <laughs> we'll come back in a year or so. But just you know, yeah. take a breather. Let yeah. let our relationship yeah. mature elsewhere. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Kyle. Bring us your first guy. Who do you want to bring to the table first here? First one, Leonard Fournette. Like I, I for the longest time was not a Leonard Fournette guy. Uh, he's big, slow, lumbering. Uh, yeah. Many people even called him Fat Lenny. I'm sure I did at some point. He is, in fact, not that. He is, uh, even at that time, but now especially, he looks like a supreme athlete, and he is getting the work of a bell cow running back. They bring him back on the three-year, $21 million deal. It's not an incredible amount of money, but they're not doing the thing they did last offseason where they bring all 22 back, right? They actually have holes to fill, and they don't have, you know, loads of draft capital at this point because they, you know, finished well. They don't have a ton of draft picks. So they're not going to be spending at running back. What they have right now, I think they brought Geo back, as if that matters. He was phased out of the offense anyways. And Keyshawn Vaughn, that's it. Obviously, they lost Ronald Jones. And last year, with Ronald Jones in tow, they had Leonard Fournette still number six in games with 20 PPR points. One of only six backs with 30-point games. That's PPR point games. Multiple 30-point PPR games. He led all running backs in targets per game. Was the only running back to have more than one target per game in the red zone. And he was dominating the backfield work as well. And that was with Ronald Jones, who's probably at least a good between-the-back-between-the-tackles-banger, ta- that home-run-hitter style. They don't even have that guy. That, I guess that has to fall on Keyshawn Vaughn's shoulders. And they do not like Keyshawn Vaughn. We're going to see at least the workload from last year that led him to being an elite fantasy option, if not possibly more. And that's on a Bucks offense that was second in overall points per game. I get it. They pass a lot. But when you have so much of the share of the pie as Leonard Fournette does, like I, I'm like shocked. I think it's just like a stinky name brand value. People were down on Leonard Fournette yeah. for like probably ever since his second year in Jacksonville. It's been a while, but like he has been nothing but excellent and a workhorse back over the past year plus the playoff run before that. I've lost a lot of money uh, betting against Leonard Fournette over the, over the past two years, and uh, and I'm I'm done I'm done doing that. I'm with I'm with Kyle. I concede. Uh, Uncle Lenny has has beaten me and uh, into submission. Look, you know, being the every down back behind Tom Brady is just incredibly valuable because Brady puts his running backs in great position with. Uh, the on-field management with with audible calling, mm-hmm. uh, we know Fournette is going to be the likely short you know sh- uh, short yardage and 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 goal line back uh, in an offense that scores a lot. Um, you know the the new coaching staff is talking up running the ball, establishing the run a little bit. I'm not saying that that's definitely going to happen, but it can't hurt. I don't think it can hurt uh, Lenny. So I I am with you. I I can see Lenny is a a, a fantastic fantasy option. Uh, but Denny, by the way, Tom Brady did retire. Just FYI, um, a second time. He, re- he retired <laughs> again. Uh, no, just the one. Um, is for Leonard Fournette. Do we mention his ADP yet? Because the the most recent one I saw on Underdog was seventy seven. Is that possible? That was RB twenty five as well. And I saw RB twenty one on another site. It seems like right around really? RB two three range. That's like insane. That really does seem to have the fear of a running back being drafted in like the second or third round baked in. And I, I really yeah. can't see them making that uh, that committal, especially when they have probably already like three running backs set to be on the roster, right? I don't think they... There, there have been reports. We, we have at least two blurbs that somebody here has written 
uh, me and that uh, say that, that I was going to say, give me their name. No, it's me. <laughs> that, that says that, you know, Tampa could be in the market for a second round running back. Um, maybe, maybe Kenneth Walker. This is something that's mm. been, uh, you know, linked in, in uh, press reports. That would, that would be a, a situation for Fournette. I think that's the only logical reason you could, but like to me, drafting him at RB 25, you've already penciled them in to take a second or third round running back. And I don't even know if I think Kenneth Walker would be there at the end of their second round spot. So I feel like they'd probably be looking at either a different running back. And I think there's a tear gap after Walker or even deeper into the third or fourth round, at which point I become less and less scared. So to me, RB 25, 21, anything that's outside of the top 20 really almost is already penciling in a running back there. And I think he should probably not he, he if you just run the numbers he projects as like a top five running back he probably shouldn't be there because there is a legitimate threat of them taking running back i don't think it's very likely but if it happens it's very much not good that's why you don't draft him as a top five or like eight running back to me that's not why you choose to not draft him at rb 19 2021 yeah agreed and my first guy is also a running back and that's javante williams and it's a different story here in terms of adp and i do want to get you guys thoughts on that in a second uh but first just the talent and opportunity uh we saw a glimpse obviously of just how dominant he could be week 13 last year when melvin gordon was out 29 touches 178 total yards including 78 receiving yards with a touchdown looks like gordon is on his way out of town at the moment obviously that would clear the way for a a likely monster workload for Javante Williams. But I guess I would ask you, we can go to you first, Kyle. I'm, do you think uh, Javante is worth what looks to be right now something in the range of a second round pick? Because there is no secret here when it comes to Javante Williams right now. And that would be my only hesitation in kind of going all in on this one. So I, I want you guys' thoughts on this one, basically. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's probably close to efficient pricing because at that point you're looking at almost similarly drafted like work, probably workhorse running backs, right? And if they're not workhorses, it's like Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones, who sure they don't get 80% mm -hmm. of their running back carries, but they do so much in the passing game that it offsets it and they still get their goal line work. I think it's probably efficient pricing, maybe even slightly underpricing because anytime you look at guys ahead of him, like a, a Dalvin Cook or an Alvin Kamara, just being older, we've seen running backs drop off just off cliffs out of nowhere. And last year, Alvin Kamara was less efficient running the ball. Maybe that was a sign that things come. Maybe not. I actually don't think it was. But we know these things happen fast. We know Javante Williams isn't at his cliff yet. And much like, uh, you know, I talked about the Bucks. I just think after seeing what Javante Williams did, they have a more talent-based reason to not draft another running back. We, we need, we deserve to see 250 carries, 50 targets at a minimum for Javante Williams. I think that's probably the most likely outcome. I think that's roughly priced in, though. I don't like... Like what, who are the running backs going yeah. right ahead of him? Probably like uh, some of the, you know, Dalvin Cook is probably going six, seven picks ahead of him. Maybe. Well, I have, I, uh, I have him going RB nine. Is that, is that too low? No, see, I think that's about fair. Like I'm not taking him ahead of like Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, stuff like that. But as soon as you move into tier two, I think he's probably the back end of tier two because we just have less of a sample size on him, but it's perfectly fine to say like, if you call, if you call him the top five running back like yeah you could slot him in at rb5 he was so incredibly efficient last year and that tracks yeah. what he did in college too he broke pfs like a looseness rating and broken tackles metrics in college and you're thinking well how much of that can translate you know he's, he's playing i think acc competition or something right no he immediately yeah. looks just as impossible yeah. to bring down in the nfl obviously some of that yeah. scales back the more work you give him but like he kind of has like that sort of year in year out insane efficiency potential of like an Alvin Kamara or maybe even more on the lines of like a Jonathan Taylor or something like that, where you every week you're like, well, he can't break off another 40 yard run. Right. And he does. He was uh, speaking of the elusive rating. He was PFF's 
uh, fifth most elusive back last year. He was tied for 10th in runs of more than 15 yards, uh, despite the limited volume when when Melvin Gordon he got half the backfield carries and did that top 10. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I think everything points to him. <laughs> you know, if if he's able to get even like a one a role in that in that backfield with Russell Wilson with the QB upgrade and everything, the coaching staff upgrade. Uh, man, I, I'm I'm looking at, at RB nine and I'm thinking, well, this is this is irresistible. I I I would I would take in a vacuum. I would take Javante over uh, Alvin Kamara. I would take him over. I would take him over Najee Harris, for instance. So that's what I was going to throw out. Uh, Najee Harris going two running two running back spots ahead of him. Alvin Kamara going just ahead of him, and Dalvin Cook kind of yeah. the the cohort, and then Austin Eckler as well, just right ahead. So I actually think, yeah, like he's perfectly fit inside those in that cohort. The more we talk about it, I do think like you can make a strong argument, especially over someone like Najee Harris. So, like it's not like Najee Harris has this elite you know receiving efficiency profile right he can draw a lot of targets in that offense but it's not like alvin kamara where you expect him to be his team's number one receiver if michael thomas doesn't come back doesn't have a great offensive line they made improvements in the offseason but it's not world beating and it's not an offense that's going to put him in the red zone so many times a game he's half checks a lot of boxes where javante williams really crushes some boxes and his offense now has russell wilson uh, you guys have clearly done nothing to dissuade me from this. Go ahead, Denny. No, man. I, I think that there's a case, and, and I, I think that there there will be conti- can, the case will be stronger as time goes on. There will be a case for Javante as a top three or four running back pick. Denny, player number two for you. Who you got? Uh, so this one is, uh, you know, I feel a little bit like I'm cheating here, but uh, I'm going to say Justin Jefferson. I, unlike most people, I like Justin Jefferson. Um, <laughs> no, it's, uh, it, you know, it's it's easy it's easy to 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 like. Justin Jefferson, but he, you know, really his, uh, um, his peripherals last year were off the charts, uh, just total yeah. domination of, uh, uh, of air yards of target share. Everything points to him being like a Supreme alpha wide out. And now in an offense that will actually try to use him the way that you should use that kind of, uh, of pass catcher, right? He, he has succeeded despite his team, despite his head coach, despite his offense, and now uh, he gets a chance, I think, to to shine as a uh, as a, as a dominant receiver uh, in the Minnesota offense. So I, I I do think that there's a, a, a you know an easy case to make for him as the as the second receiver off the board this year. Yeah, I feel like for you to uh, come to this argument saying you're drafting him all the time, you have to say he's wide receiver two or yeah. better, right? Because he probably goes three, four, five as as sort of the block where he falls. Uh, I think you have to say you rank him as like wide receiver two or better for this to come in true, and you did at the end. So that's I think uh, what I wanted to hear. Right. I mean, I, I'm 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 okay reaching for him if that's what if that's what it takes. Uh, that that's I just I feel I feel like his his obviously floor is great, but the ceiling I think is just out of this world tremendous. Let's face it. You're basically you're you're making him a likely first rounder in a fantasy draft, right? I mean, you've you've got to take him in the top. Yeah, you're making like a top six yeah. pick, probably top six seven, to ensure that you get him to be the guy you take every draft. Right. Uh, first two seasons, averaging 98 catches, 1,508 yards, and eight and a half touchdowns. Yeah. Don't walk away from any fantasy draft. I don't think feeling uh, uneasy about having Justin Jefferson as your number one guy. It's a probably a pretty good feeling. He led the league. Um, in in what's called Whopper W O P R, uh, which is a, a metric that looks at a combination of a player's share of targets and his share of air yards in an offense, uh, and it ju- it just it re- it does a really good job. Whopper does a really good job of showing us uh, who is and can be dominant um, given the chance. And 
Jefferson just you talk about checking boxes, he checks them all. Whopper doesn't really sound like what it is. You know what I mean? I, that it's a it's good. No, because like a high whopper would be a high whopper is a guy who gets a lot of targets and they're like 10, 11, 12 yards downfield. They're big, they're yeah. juicy, yeah. they're fatty, they're meaty, good targets. They result in fantasy points that kind of drip out of the side of your mouth okay. and bite into them. And that's what I assume a whopper is, though. I don't know if I've ever had whopper is also the name of the genocidal computer in the 1983 movie uh, War Games. War Games. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Did not see us going there. Did not see us going there. They made movies in 1983. <laughs> they did. We they in 1983 they had four movies, and that was one of them. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Goonies? No, Goonies wasn't out yet. We didn't have that yet. No. Uh, Ghostbusters hadn't come out. Okay. <laughs> uh, moving on to Kyle, your second player for April. So I will go with uh, I will go with what you alluded to earlier. Brees Hall looking at uh, underdog ADP, uh, grinding the mock. First of all, grinding the mock's ADP, which is his actual NFL real life ADP of forty four. I don't think his fantasy ADP is even that high. He's usually going around slightly ahead of Leonard Fournette around that like RB nineteen twenty ish range, and we see it. Uh, that's what I alluded to. We see it year in year out. People are, I don't know if they're just concerned about not knowing where a player lands. I honestly just kind of think it's a lack of paying attention, which like, I don't, I don't blame you. You don't have to pay attention, yeah. but while you are not paying attention to the NFL draft coming in, uh, I am. And I know Brees Hall is, I would say he is the tier below the Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley level of prospect in that Jonathan Taylor tier. Jonathan Taylor was one of the best runners we've seen come out, but he wasn't a prolific pass catcher. Where on the other hand, Brees Hall actually has really good pass catching chops to back up his uh, his grinding the mocks ADP of 44. I think will probably go. He could go to Buffalo. That's the, you know, that's what vaults him into the first round. More likely than not, I think he goes to the top of the second round, sort of where we saw, you know, a Dalvin Cook, a Jonathan Taylor go. And he was just, so immensely productive in college over 3000 rushing yards in his final two seasons 591 touches in those two seasons at least 20 receptions in all three college seasons that's great it was at uh, iowa state and i you know you see him and you see the production and you think oh well he's basically just david montgomery right you know it's easy parallel to draw but then he goes to the combine and blows the combine out of the water that's the one thing you watch david montgomery and you're like yeah David Montgomery is a guy who can handle 250, even 300 touches, but he doesn't really give you much more with those. He does exactly what you expect. I don't think Brees Hall is that guy and his combine backs that up. You watch him run. He looks more explosive, a little harder to bring down than David Montgomery. And then his combine, incredible. A 4.3940 plus 94th percentile burst metrics, the, the vert and the long. He looks like the workload of David Montgomery was someone who can break long runs and break off tackles. And that's something we don't really see a ton with David Montgomery. That's what keeps David Montgomery in like the third, fourth round at best and not being a second round pick because he gets second round, even first round fantasy volume. Brees Hall has that level of upside in his range of outcomes, but he can actually do more with it. People are either not knowing maybe, or just scared to see where he lands. I'm excited to see where he lands. I think his floor is so high in his ceiling. Like if he goes to Buffalo, we're, we're drafting him as a first round back. Uh, I'm glad that Pat Darty's not here, by the way, to hear you talk about Demont Nation that way, Kyle, <laughs> uh, his guy. Um, and, and by the way, Brees Hall did have a Saquon Barkley-esque combine. I mean, you said he was a tier below him as a prospect, but he did put up some Barkley-esque numbers as the, at the combine. And you mentioned the Bills. Is there another team there, Kyle, like when you make this pick where you uh, – another destination that would be appealing uh, in terms of Brees Hall's real-life team? Yeah, Bills have to be the top one. Uh, looking past them, I think I know one spot like grinding the mocks ADP hasn't perfectly fit with uh, Atlanta, which I actually think if Atlanta is 
any bit better this year, which I'm not entirely sure happens, uh, he at least gets a ton of their mm -hmm. carries because ideally Cordero Patterson does the thing he did early in the season where he gets seven, eight carries kind of max, and then also five or six targets. That leaves this massive hole that they tried to fill with Mike Davis, tried to fill it with Mike Davis. They could be 200 plus carries. I think that cuts his targets back a little bit, you know, working alongside Cordero Patterson. We could also see Cordero Patterson continue to push towards that wide receiver gap that Atlanta doesn't have a gap at wide receiver. They just don't have it's a, void. a roster spot it's a at void. wide receiver yet. It's nothing. So I think that could be a lot of touches. It wouldn't be the best offense. But we know, like, Chris McCaffrey never played on a good offense. He has yet to play on a good offense. Touches are the most important. Then we love to get touches on good offenses. So I think that's one that lines up with his ADP, grinding the mocks ADP, well, and would get him at least a lot of carries. I like okay. that you had to say that uh, say say that twice. Um, Mike Davis. They they tried they tried to fill the hole with Mike Davis. Mike Davis. I mean, yeah, because it's inexplicable that 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 a journeyman you know running back was going to come in and um and be be the answer. Sorry, man, but that was that was never going to work. No, it's all right. It's okay. I'm I'm well prepared for all of this. Um, by the way, Brees Hall as a Falcons fan, that would be absolutely music oh, to my ears as a, as a real right. life Falcons fan. In terms of fantasy, it would wreck one of my players, but we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later. My second guy, this is a guy who we all know was just a kind of a uh, quietly a league winning force down the stretch last year. Amon Ross St. Brown over his last six games had 51 catches, 560 yards, five touchdowns. Added 61 yards and a touchdown on the ground. I mean, when you look at what the Lions have done, they added DJ Shark, but that doesn't really scare me off. I guess the question is, and I'm going to throw this your way, Denny, do you like Amon Ra at an ADP of around 50, which is what it appears to be right now on Underdog? I think it's reasonable. Like, I'm not super excited about it uh, because, you know, his, his target volume has and will go down it will decrease with uh the return of swift uh deandre swift as as a underneath pass catcher a, a, mm -hmm. a good underneath pass catcher in a conservative lions offense um and and there was there was uh, there were a lot of numbers pointing to detroit as one of the most conservative teams in other words when they could in the rare in the rare occurrence when detroit could establish the run they established the run hard uh so i i think if some some improvement from the Lions in general would be bad for St. Brown, who really thrived off of just unholy volume over the last, what, six, seven <laughs> weeks of the season. You know, just yeah. when you when you thought that it couldn't get more ridiculous, it did. Uh, and, and, not, and not taking away anything from him, he's a, he's a really good slot receiver. I think it's fair. I'm not super excited about that ADP. Yeah, go ahead, Kyle. I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I kind of echo the same thing. They also didn't have TJ Hawkinson. It's not an offense. Right. Like, I don't really see them blowing up. Like, I don't see him having a 12, 14 touchdown game in, or season in his range of outcomes. Also game, though, wouldn't probably <laughs> That's happen. That's not likely. Uh, because <laughs> the offense, just to me, uh, under Dan Campbell, is quite uninspiring. The thing you're you're drawing to a Monroe St. Brown for is crazy target share. Right. They'll get TJ Hawkinson back. They'll get DeAndre Swift back. Wouldn't be surprised for them to take another. They need, they probably really should take another wide receiver in the draft. Won't happen, at least with their first pick, though it could come at number 32. They also pick almost immediately again in the second round. So I think there's probably still more receiver potential coming in the draft, plus Hawkinson, plus Swift, plus not a great offense, that I think uh, another one where I think the market's probably correct on this because players who do what Amon Ross St. Brown did as a rookie very often go on to success because it's very hard uh, to come into the NFL and so quickly break out. Even if it only happened more really down the stretch, just putting up those kinds of numbers immediately 
is a really good, especially receiver. We know age adjusted production is very important, is a really good indicator. It's kind of with Terry McLaurin. Like, I, I really wasn't interested in Terry McLaurin coming out of college. He didn't have great college numbers, and I want to see him for probably even better. I really wasn't that high on him. And he did so much as a rookie that it changes the prior on him. That is the good news. The right. bad news, I think, is that it's the Lions and he'll face more target competition, which is why I think I'll probably draft him if I find him in his ADP or lower. I'm not going to be the one who reaches on him. Yeah, that's fair. And I mean, I think strangely, those of us drafting Amon Ross St. Brown are actually hoping for 17 games of Jared Goff based on the uh, right. the way we know Jared Goff uh, likes to target his receivers. It seems like kind of a perfect match, Danny. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, uh, for sure. And, and that's why like any talk of like dj chark you know uh, putting a dent in st brown's target share <laughs> right. that's not happening dj chark signed with a team that will have him running wind sprints down the sideline for the entire <laughs> season okay look it's good for chark he's going to stay in great shape you know physically it, he'll get a lot of cardio on sundays he'll never see the ball and 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 then he'll probably end up with another team in 2023 all right we have three more players still to go first we're going to take a very quick break the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The 2022 MLB season is underway and NBC Sports Edge is giving our listeners a special offer. Get 22% off an annual Edge Plus subscription when you use promo code BASIS22. Get expert insight and access to tools that will give you an edge against your competition at one low price. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash Edge Plus. Use promo code BASIS22 at checkout to save big this season, three players left, one player each. Denny, back up to you. Yes. Uh, my third player is Michael Pittman, who is going as the wide receiver 24 at the moment, uh, as of this morning. Who, who knows? It could have changed by now. Um, and uh, that's after guys like Adam Thielen and Brandon Cooks, which you know, I, I obviously, by, by mentioning Pittman as someone I'm bullish on, I would take him over both of those guys. Um, you know, Pittman... Uh, had some success last year, despite Carson Wentz being eh, kind of kind of a disaster as yeah. as far as you know completion rate over expected, uh, adjusted EPA per dropback. All that points to Wentz being very inefficient. The Colts were were you know afraid at at, at some point late in the season, afraid to, to throw the ball like they 
like desperately just never wanted to throw it. They wanted to just hand it to Jonathan Taylor, rightfully so, as Jonathan Taylor is obviously excellent. But um, I, I think, you know, Matt Ryan, for all of uh, his limitations as a 36-year-old quarterback, by the way, yeah, can we stop calling Matt Ryan old? He's thirty. He's thirty-six. Okay, he's a young oh, man. He's old. He's, he's a decrep- young man. No, no, no. <laughs> some of us. Some of us. Get him out of here. Some of us were thirty-six <laughs> several years ago. Anyway, yes. uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I think Matt Ryan, by all indications, is an upgrade for the pass has pass catchers in this offense, including you know Pat Darty and I talked about uh, Naheem Hines uh, getting a getting a boost from Matt Ryan. Uh, and his, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know, his predilection for for dumping it off to running backs. Anyway, uh, you know, Pittman gets that. He's, I, I think, wide receiver 24 um, is probably near his floor. You know, we're talking about low-end wide receiver two. Um, we talked about Whopper earlier, not the computer, but the but the stat. Uh, he, was six, he was 16th among receivers in Whopper last year um, in, in a, in a run-heavy, conservative, pretty bad Colts offense. I think things are looking up for Pittman. Yeah, looking up is fair. I, I do wonder what extent last year their poor pass rate overexpected, which obviously wasn't over, uh, especially in the red zone. They were like a bottom five team in pass rate over expectation in the red zone, bottom 10 uh, through full 17 weeks, entire length of the field. I wonder what of that was Frank Reich versus Frank Reich plus seeing Carson Wentz for a few weeks. I do think uh, to me, a lot of that stuff does ultimately fall on the coach. He, like, he went to bat for Carson yeah. Wentz. I don't think Carson Wentz was terrible enough that you only run the football, right? I think Jonathan Taylor was good enough that you just want to keep running the football. I think their pass rate comes up, but I don't know. Uh, I don't know how much it really even approaches league average. That's kind of the one caveat though. He should have, like, like you said, he should have an immense whopper in a team with really like very few options, even if they <laughs> whopper is a real stat. He didn't just make this up. <laughs> this guy's going to have a huge whopper this year. Just, just wait, just wait. And and, that, and that's what people are drafting. You know, we're we're looking for 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 big whoppers, and uh, and, and Michael Pittman has one. By the way, I can't help that the stat sounds funny. It is a stat. I, I know. Didn't just make it up. It's been around for years. I know. I, I was only laugh. I'm only laughing because uh, I'm I'm a child. <laughs> the, by the way, Matt Ryan. This is this is not. I don't have a stat uh, to back this up, but is a guy. Who, you don't have a whopper to back. I don't have a whopper up. to back this up, but is a guy who I think in the right scheme can still really thrive. And if you're talking about a, a much better offensive line and a much better ground game, Ryan could really be lights out and, you know, play action Pittman. I, I could see a, a mind meld happening there. So I I'm, I'm buying in. Yeah. Also the, the, you know, something I think that is not discussed quite enough. I hear, I've I've heard it, you know, in some spaces here, but uh, is the fact that Ryan is going to get a huge upgrade in offensive line and in pass yeah. protection in, in Indianapolis. And for a guy with cement in his shoes, that's important. Yeah, also getting an upgrade at receiver. We talk about how much like uh, getting an upgrade at quarterback matters for Michael Pittman. But Matt Ryan's stats should also look better yeah. because he has Michael Pittman. Because outside of uh, maybe like seven games, right, with Calvin Ridley, something like that. He easily would have been that team's best receiver. So there will be a back and forth chicken and egg and good way thing. Oh, did Michael Pittman make Matt Ryan better? Matt Ryan make Michael Pittman better. They're both getting upgrades in this situation. Yeah, I, I'm not going to sit here and let you uh, talk about Kyle Pitts that way. But overall, the the offense, <laughs> the offense. Though. Well, they have Mo Ali Cox, though, who would be a great impression. Of, <laughs> if you've looked at his uh, height and speed and never any of his production metrics, would be a great replacement. Oh, by the way, Mo Ali Cox is right. Doesn't he look like a monster every time he? Uh, yes. Every time he gets he the is football, massive dude. Yeah, a separate 
And he's really efficient. They just play him like eight snaps a game. Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering about that. I'm wondering if there's a reason for that. I, I'm sure there isn't. I'm sure it's just <laughs> happenstance. No, I I'm think, sure Jack Doyle somewhere in his contract said he needed to play 80% of the snaps. I think there's an alternate universe where Mo Ali Cox is a star, former college basketball player. I'm I'm all in here. I'm all in. Let's uh, rip up the format. Let's do a, a tight 15 minutes on Mo Ali Cox right now. <laughs> hey, you know I'm always game for that. <laughs> For a tight end. For, I do love Moelle yeah. Cox. I could. I could go for it, honestly. <laughs> Kyle, we're down to your uh, third and final uh, player here. So, I, look, I, I will admit, in the first two, I felt confident about the players as talents. I think Brees Hall's very good. I think Leonard Fournette, I was extremely wrong about as of, like, 18 months ago or something like that. I don't know if I'm right about this player being good. That would be Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has potential to be good. Has he been good uh, recently? I would say no, not really. <laughs> but has he been? Look, look, being good isn't all life is about. And for Daniel Jones, <laughs> it's not what life has been about for the past two years. But his team is terrible and run by awful coaches. He's had a terrible, like PFS offensive line, pass blocking line at number 30 last year. They bring in right guard Mark. Glowinski from uh, the Colts, starting right guard for years for the Colts, I believe Seattle before that. I think you cannot find a mock draft that doesn't have them adding a right tackle. And uh, Andrew Thomas at left tackle looked really good last year. They're not going to have a great line, but will they have a bottom three line? I don't think so. And he's worked with terrible lines for years. Are they going to have great coaching? I really do think they're going to have great coaching. Uh, I mean, we've seen him play with, uh, we've seen him play with Freddie Kitchens at the end of last year, Jason Garrett before that, Mike Shula before that. And oh, well, was the head coach controlling things? No, Joe Judge, a special teams coach was not controlling things. Now he gets Josh Allen's offensive coordinator. Last year, the Bills had the third highest pass rate over expectation. They were also top 10 in pass rate over expectation in the red zone. And part of the reason they were running a little more in the red zone is because they were running with Josh Allen who is second in red zone carries among quarterbacks, second in carries inside the five. If you just give him that role and he's not very good in it, it is still a boon for his, I believe, QB 22-ish ADP. He's one of the QBs that you can take outside the top 20 that even if it's just rushing production, which he was top 10 uh, min six starts in rushing yards per game last year, even if you just take his rushing production, give him a larger role in the red zone and overall more passing volume, that should get him past 22, and that doesn't bake in any real chance that he improves after having played with terrible coaching throughout his entire career, and he'll probably have his best offensive line he's had. His weapons should be better as well, because we only saw a few games from Kadarius Tony, Kenny Galladay was banged up all year, Saquon Barkley, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard. None of them got to play together. I don't think they have a world beaters group, but when, like, Cody Core ends up getting out there, or, or John Ross ends up getting out there as your starting receiver in week, like, 12 something has gone horribly awry so everything around him is improving i don't know if that means he improves but his adp doesn't seem to account for any possibility of that i hate that you're right like i i i, I hate it too look i don't love being right all the time which is why i'm wrong so I, much. when i saw that you were going to mention daniel jones as one of your three guys today i was like all right i gotta gotta gear up i'm pushing back on this hard and <laughs> i looked into it you know the interns looked into it very strongly and we did not see anything that would suggest that he's being uh, overdrafted. I mean, he's barely being drafted and he can be productive both as a passer and as a rusher. Like, you yeah. know, that, that we can't overstate that appeal, that rushing Konami code appeal that Daniel Jones can bring. Uh, I've, I've talked several times on the Tuesday podcast with Roto Pat about how bullish I am on, on Dable and the new giants and uh, offense and everything. 
and I never mentioned Daniel Jones. And I start, I guess I need to start doing that because if, if I, if I like the offense and I like the changes and I like the weapons surrounding, then I have to, I have to say, you know, Daniel Jones is, is, you know, I hate to use this term again, looking up, uh, but, but he is, he is. And, and uh, another thing we can't overstate is how bad the Giants coaching staff was last year and how bad their game planning was. I mean, just I know this is not directly impacting fantasy. Well, I guess maybe it is. Have you have we ever seen in in all our years watching football a worse two minute drill team than the Giants last year? They it looked as if they had never done it, as if they had never practiced it, they had never heard of it. Like like the the basics of like passing the ball and then spiking it and then running another play and conserving timeouts and trying to get a score. looks like they had never done it. So I think that just speaks to, to how bad the coaching was in New York. I mean, am I like, this is a real thing that happened, right? The giants did the third and nine QB sneak from like their own five ish, right? That like that was, I think it was later in the year. Like they, like these guys didn't have any business coaching and Brian Dable, uh, Josh Allen gets tons of credit for turning himself around as well, but it can't go understated that we saw Maybe the greatest quarterback turnaround from Josh Allen being this like scattershot, big arm, prospecty guy to hyper elite, just one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL. He gets tons of credit for that, but Dable has to get some of the credit uh, for what he's done with Josh Allen. I don't think he does that with Daniel Jones, but does he tune up his efficiency? I don't know, 10, 15% plus give him that rushing work. I think that's enough alone to pay off his ADP. I think we have it seared into our brains, the image of Daniel Jones tripping on that breakaway run, like famously. Yeah. And it's like his his Iconic. running is like a joke. But I mean, he had 95 yards in the ground in week two. I mean, th this is a potentially legitimate weapon, right? Waiting to be unleashed. Like that's not an overstatement, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, he's a top, like he's a top 10 rushing quarterback year in, out, And just in terms of rushing yards per game, he gets in the end zone. Like, I don't think he's Lamar Jackson, right? But just getting to that 300 maybe even 400 yardage threshold. Like we saw Josh Allen completely pop off as a rusher last year, but just getting to 300 yards, five touchdowns, something like that is really the difference between uh, like, it's like an extra like touchdown and a half or something in terms of passing touchdowns, mm -hmm. you know, it's the Konami code. All right, my last guy, you know, I, I feel earlier we were being a little hard on Matt Ryan in terms of age. I feel like, you know, there's a stigma attached no, to being, we were being fair. He's old. over 30 and don't even talk about over 40. We would never even discuss that here. So so my last guy is actually the oldest guy we'll be talking about here. That's 31-year-old Cordero Patterson, uh, who we mentioned earlier. Now, we obviously know he had that kind of that, that breakout season, nearly 1,200 yards from scrimmage, 11 touchdowns, but he faded down the stretch. We all remember that, too. The workload took a major hit. But I mean, we've already talked about this. You look at this Falcons team right now before the draft, there's a serious lack of weapons and they will probably add an early round receiver. They might add Brees Hall as we've talked about. But as of right now, as this stands, Patterson is at worst the number two option for this team. And he strikes me as a guy who, who could have some big weeks early on in the season at the very worst. And his ADP is outside the top 100 right now. So I don't know. It just feels like you're not paying up at all for what happened last year. And uh, it's not all upside, but I, I, there's not a lot to lose here, Denny. I see him as as more of a floor option, I think. Uh, he's going, it looks like in 12-team leagues, going in the eighth round. But like, I'm looking at other guys going around him. I guess it depends on, you know, can you draft him as a running back or a wide receiver? How uh, is he listed? He's listed as a wide receiver here from what I'm looking at. Um, but you know, he's going around guys like St. Brown, uh, Gabriel Davis, Michael Gallup, Allen Robinson, the aforementioned Allen Robinson. I, I, 
I'd have a hard time going, you know, going with uh, Patterson over over those players. Uh, there was a point last year, late in the season, where Patterson was very open about the the rigors and the toll of yeah. of taking, you know, uh, taking runs up the middle. And he said it's different. It's different than playing receiver. Like I'm getting my butt kicked out there every week. I'm not used to it. Arthur Smith eventually said we have to reel back his rushing role because he's not used to it and like he's not built for it you know he didn't come into the season conditioned for it i don't think that we can say we can look at his rushing attempts last year and say okay pencil that in for 2022 that kind of freaks me out to me on the other hand i almost want that i don't want to see what we saw from cordero patterson at the end of the year mm-hmm. like that even not like the last game because he got like four carries in the final game but basically from like it was like one week after their bye uh, they basically just uh, started like pounding him into dust. They stopped using him as a receiver. Right. His highest games in terms of routes run were all before week 10. After that, he started averaging like one or two catches a game, wasn't getting a ton of work as a pass catcher because they were, I, it was maybe just because they were done trying to do the Mike Davis thing. Like, I guess you have to be Mike Davis. That was not a good way to use him. He isn't built for it. And also he wasn't particularly efficient at it. He averaged like 3.5 yards per carry. His final uh, something like final six games would have had him pace for far under uh, a bit under a thousand yards from scrimmage total, not just, you know, rushing yards. So he didn't really look like anything would be that interested. He wasn't the efficient guy. We thought he wasn't getting tons of targets like we want from a running back. If you can even call him that he's listed as a running back some places. I think underdog has him as running back. I'm sure some places don't. You need to see the Cordero Patterson we saw from like weeks one through eight. And given how drastically they changed his role at the end, I just think there's a ton of downside that they don't quite understand how to use him. Maybe because it's hard to understand, but you did it right at the beginning. Right. They should have just stopped running the ball as much. Like there's no quota of runs you have to get to. You can take the Mike Davis carries and do nothing with them. They disappear. Just throw them in the garbage and keep using Cordero Patterson as a hyper-efficient, like Debo Samuel level hybrid player. You can just keep doing that. I don't know if Arthur Smith knows that that's an option. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, again, with all three of the players I brought here, I was I was open to being swayed one way or the other, in particular, probably with Amon Ross St. Brown and Cordell Patterson. And uh, yeah, that's fair. I mean, you guys make me see the, the downside here as well. But I mean, again, he is going relatively late. I mean, I, I saw an underdog outside the top 100 close to 110. But Denny, it looks like you saw something else elsewhere. Yeah, so uh, I, I guess it's just it's mine. What I'm seeing is um, 85. Um, so it, I guess, I guess, yeah, outside the 100 top 100, I guess I'd be, I'd be more apt to, to look, look at Patterson. Um, yeah, Arthur Smith is a coach that lives to establish. And I don't think that that's, that's going to change. And I, I, I hate being down on CPAT because, you know, he is, he's, yeah. he's such a, a joyous, you know, a, a, a breath of fresh air in, in, a, in, in the NFL and uh, the way that he like like urged the Falcons to sign him to re-sign him like right. that, that you know he's in, he's an endearing guy he seems like a good guy I just I don't know I don't know if I can if I can say yes I'm hammering CPAT remember last year he wasn't drafted okay like right. that's that's part of part of his appeal last year was like you got him off the way well I had to get Brian Hill or who Quadre Olison yes. or something yes. to to back up Mike yes. Davis I had to get those guys on the run only only established the runs Pat Thorman was in on CPAT before the season and I, he deserves endless credit for that and wow. i'm 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 supremely jealous of that whole thing yeah it was almost like when you picked him up last year you kind of were did it did so sheepishly like i think i'm gonna do this like yeah i hope it's okay with you guys uh fellow league mates but i'm gonna pick <laughs> him up 
I guess to, to the point that you guys are making, the perfect world version of Cordero Patterson in 2022, if they did use him more as a pass catcher, he can still be quite good. But we're worried that we don't necessarily trust them to do the right thing there, and they might just slam him into a brick wall a lot. So that's the fear. Yeah, that would, that would be my argument. I mean, we saw he had the highest uh, average defenders in the box per carry last year. And uh, from watching them, it looks like most of that came towards the end of the year when they tried to play him as Mike Davis. And next-gen stats tracked him as uh, the highest stack box rate as well. Like, he was just a between-the-tackles grinder. And why would you do that yeah. to Cordell Patterson? Because he is super fun to watch when you use them the right way. It took like a decade for a coach to finally figure it out, and then that coach forgot after eight weeks. Yeah, good, <laughs> good times. Uh, all right, well, that's the end of our nine players here for April. Uh, anything you guys would like to mention on NBC Sports Edge before we go? I have uh, a piece that I wrote recently on uh, on Tua in his first two seasons in the NFL and whether and and it, you know whether we can point to him as a a potential long-term starter or a guy who will soon be a journeyman. Uh, I still don't really have the answer, but I looked into a lot of numbers and, and looked at the fantasy impact of Tyreek Hill uh, joining the Miami offense. So you can check that out. You can check that out on the site. Me and Tyler Fornes have a series of draft needs and prospect fits coming out. It's like two a week until the draft. So just, uh, you know, go to the website. You'll be able to find it. By the time you listen to this, a new one will have come out that has not come out yet. And I have a USFL breakdown coming out, probably coming out in two parts, still waiting for DraftKings to get their pricing up, but also probably have some some betting notes and just a ton of player notes in there that need to be broken up into two pieces. So really what you all came here for was just the USFL breakdown, and you'll be getting it. Check all that out. And I just want to, before we go, guys, I just want to remind you of something that was said earlier. My new words to live by, being good isn't what life's all about. I just want us to, if we take away nothing. <laughs> Amen, brother. If we Amen. take away nothing else here today. Uh, that is going to do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a minute to rate and review us as well. want to say thanks to everyone for listening and watching live with us. Kyle, Denny, thanks to both of you guys. I'll talk to you soon. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are.